Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. So Heavenly Father, I pray that you would simply use a weak, Lord, a weak man such as I to talk about someone who you're beyond words. Lord, who else can speak and the world come into existence? Help me to articulate not in my own strength, but in the strength of the Holy Spirit. Help me to articulate the truths of your word tonight. Lord, I want to say a special thank you for Tim and Jackie for bringing a spirit of worship into this place. I thank you for them. Lord, bless them. Continue to lift them up into more and more places where their gifts are used, O God. And I pray that for this house, Lord, that, this, that the worship that goes on here, the prayer that goes on here, the, the biblical instruction would touch many souls, God. Let it, let it bring refreshment to our community and far beyond, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I have taken probably a month, five, four to five weeks to talk about Jesus, the, the sympathy, the compassion, the love. There's just a, a theme I've been on, and I kind of want to head into a somewhat different vein, but not really a different vein because we're going to talk about Jesus and we're going to talk about prayer. So that's pretty much what we do here every week. Um, but this is a little slight deviation from talking specifically about the character of Christ and emphasizing his humanity, his sympathy, his compassion, his love. I felt kind of led to go that direction because we, you know, we just tend to, um, we tend to need to be reminded of how good he is toward us when we're weak because we all eventually at some point in life run into how broken we are, (laughs) how weak we are, how much We can't follow through like we thought we would. I mean, does anybody remember when they were a teenager and they're like, I'm going to do this for you, God. And then it's like 10 years later and we haven't done that for God. And we wonder, what does he think? And the truth is he thinks of how much he loves us. I mean, it's just an incredible, it, it never ceases to amaze me that the person who's running everything really does love us, really does like us. And he proved it at the cross. The evidence that he loves you and me is he went to the cross. He lived a perfect life and died in our place so that if we would believe in him, we'd live forever. And not just live forever in the Hollywood sense, but live forever with him. And I'm just excited about that. 
So we find ourselves in the 21st century, we find ourselves in a unique time of history, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is kind of stirring the waters and there's movements happening around the world. He's preparing hearts for the next move of the Spirit, the next global revival, and that's going to one day morph into, you know, the Lord's going to return one day. And so he's, a, he's kind of a master planner executor, and I, and I have a, a sense that he is preparing the nations, he's, and one of the evidences of that is he's stirring prayer. I'm, I could go off and talk for an hour about the prayer movement, that's not really, I don't want to talk about all of that, but I do want to say this, in about 1980 there was a study done, and there were maybe four or five houses of prayer that were going 24-7. And now, in about 2020, there's thousands of them. There's thousands and thousands of prayer rooms, prayer centers, boiler rooms. There are all different kinds of names in different countries. There's prayer mountains. And there are many places in the earth where there are huge, huge uh, seated auditoriums that are full of people all day, all night. And there's just prayer going around the clock in, uh, in the Asian countries and South Korea, uh, South America, all over the world this is happening. And so there's, there's this stirring of prayer. And I want to kind of, sort of a backdrop I'd like to share. But, but with that backdrop, I just want to talk about Luke 18, verse 9 to 14. Again, don't want to go very long tonight. I just want to share... A perspective, this is what Jesus spoke on, because he knew there'd be a prayer movement. He knew that prayer would explode in the church before he returns. He wants it to explode in our community. He wants it to explode in our hearts. He wants the GP hop to be going, you know, hours and hours, hopefully one day 24 hours a day. But he tells a unique story, and I want us to just, I want us to just see this story for a moment. He says in Luke 18, verse 9, he says he spoke a parable. He spoke a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And they despised other people. So he says a parable saying there's two men that go up to the temple to pray. Now, in... In their world, the temple was the house of prayer. The temple was, I mean, Jesus called the temple, my father's house is a house of prayer. He's talking about wherever you go to pray, he's telling a story about two men who go to prayer. He says, two men go to pray. One's a Pharisee. The Pharisee looks spiritual. And the other is a tax collector, does not look spiritual. Everybody thinks the Pharisee, oh, that guy gets his prayers answered. He's the... He's the He is the upper crust of spirituality in our culture. And the tax collector, we hate that guy because he takes our money. He works for Rome. So he says, oh, I'm going to have these two extremes in my story, the Pharisee and the tax collector. In fact, most Bibles say it's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. I'm calling it the parable of the two guys that pray. The parable of the two praying men. So Jesus is telling a story, he's telling a parable, and he says, this is what the Pharisee prays like in my story. The Pharisee, 
He stood and prayed within himself. This Pharisee says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Starts good. God, thank you. I'm not like other people. Ooh, went downhill real quick. God, I thank you. I'm not like those people over there. Oh, whoa, off the rails real quick. And it's funny because we can get off the rails in our prayers so quick. We're like, Lord, I love you. Oh, those people. And we just, he's wanting to really, here, here I'm going to get ahead of myself and then try to re-catch re up a couple times probably tonight. But before I read this completely, just because we go to house of prayer or just because we're a part of a church that prays or we're part of a community that's alive, it does not guarantee that we're going to be in a right standing good heart with God. There, there are no guarantees. You can be in the greatest revival center on the earth and be totally off in your spirit, totally off in your view of people. And he's really wanting to get at that because, again, Jesus knows there's going to be a prayer movement. There's going to be all sorts of people going to pray at all sorts of hours. But there's different qualities of people that will be going there. And we don't want to be the... I'm going to get, you know, again, I'm going to... There's the Pharisee and then there's... The, so let's go on here. So the Pharisee, again, God, thank you. I'm not like other people the extortioners, the unjust people, the adulterers, or any, even as the tax collector. It's like he's praying and he's like, Lord, thank you. I'm not like people. I'm not like this guy. Oh, I'm not even like that tax collector. It's like he's pointing over in the corner at the tax collector. And I just think, ooh, ouch, what a... But when we, when we get steeped in religion, it's, a, it's like a... We do everything to be better than everyone else instead of doing it because we love Jesus. And so almost everything, our fasting, our giving, our, you know, all of our doing good, okay, can I get it on Instagram? Can I make it look better than that guy? Everything becomes like a performance that has nothing to do with our relationship with the Lord. And so he's exposing this kind of whole way of living that's false and empty, and, and ultimately, we get to the, the real crushing statement at the end, I'll point out in a moment. But then he kind of, uh, he goes into his resume, Lord, in case you haven't noticed, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of everything I possess. Just want you to know, in case you forgot, I know you're God, but just I'd throw it, throwing it out there. And God's like looking down, yeah, I, I, I know, I get it, I'm God. So that's, number, that's person number one in the story. Then we go to person number two. The tax collector, everybody despises the tax collector. Again, he works for Rome. He, he makes the Jewish people pay money. And so sometimes uh, the tax collector is a Jewish person. That's even triple offensive. So the tax collector, he's a Jewish person working for Rome, taking money from fellow Jewish people. So just utterly, in fact, if you watch The Chosen, there's a few scenes with Matthew, the tax collector, and you see how the disciples hate Matthew and they have to work through that. I would, I would recommend watching both seasons of The Chosen. Such a good show. Uh, the tax collector stands far off, it says. He's far off in the temple. He's not like up in the front trying to get God's attention. He's far off, like in the back corner somewhere. And he says he would not even uh, so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he, he beats his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, 
a sinner. God be merciful, a sinner. So you got these two extreme ends. You got the, the guy that looks like he's got it together and he's praying this elaborate prayer. Oh, I'm fasting and giving. And then you've got this tax collector no one really likes. And he's, what? what kind of prayer was that? Like, forgive me, a sinner, what? That didn't seem strong and it didn't seem mighty like the Pharisee prayed. And this is what Jesus says. Verse 14, this is the mouth of God. Verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. This man, the tax collector, went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. What does he mean here? What he's saying is what the tax collector did worked and what the Pharisee did didn't. And I'm telling you, if you get a hold of this little nugget of truth in this passage, because Luke 18 is all about prayer, if you will get a hold of a couple basic points, it will revolutionize your relationship with the Lord and it will revolutionize your prayer relationship with the Lord. Because at the end of the day, God's not really impressed with our resume. He's God. One of the things that impresses him, though, is genuine humility. Genuine humility. When we do our giving, when we do our fasting, when we do our prayer time, whatever we're doing, when we do it ultimately to boast and to prove how awesome we are, we become proud, we become arrogant, we look down at people, our heart gets off, and God begins to validate that person less and less their prayers don't get answered. Because ultimately, when our heart is proud, what does it say later in the New Testament? It says that when we're proud, when we're hard, when we're arrogant, we're ultimately fighting against God. (laughs) When we're humble, when we're lowly, when we're servant-spirited, He's blessing us and lifting us up and exalting us. We're working with Him. Man, I can't imagine giving my life to the prayer room, giving my life to prayer meetings, and and not having God saying, it's it's working. I mean, I want to know it's working. I want to know that it's it's moving things. This tax collector looked like a nobody. No one liked him. He didn't pray very fancy. He just said, Lord, forgive me. I know I've sinned. God says, that guy's life's going to be different. I'm answering that guy. Let me say this to you tonight. It doesn't matter if you're on TV or not. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what kind of money you make or who knows you or who doesn't know you. If you have a humble spirit, If you're doing this because you just love Jesus and love people, I'm telling you, your prayers will get answered more. The validation of God will be on your life. It will become evident. People will see of your life the Lord's really with them. 
Man, I don't want my whole life to be fighting against God because I'm hard-hearted. I want my whole life God fighting for me. I don't want to become a Pharisee. I mean, we all have the tendency. We all could, but let's not go there. And I pray very often for God to move in this community. And by that, by community, I mean house of prayer. I pray, Lord, grow us. Lord, 24-7. Lord, let it be a place where there's life and people want to come and get touched and all that. I pray that all the time. But I put a caveat on there. I say, Lord, I want the right kind of people. I want these tax collector kind of people who are humble. I want a humble community that isn't trying to boast about how great we are. I just want a weak, broken people who knows that we're a weak, broken people and so we just stay humble. Excuse me. All of us in this room the mightiest Christian in the world is still very weak compared to God. And, and the mightiest Christian in the earth has sinned today. And probably more than we will ever know. Because sins are not just the big ones, they're the little ones. And sins are not just the things we do, they're the things we don't do. And so as we mature, sure, we stop, you know, doing huge sins, you know, like in our past. But the little things we don't do are still sin to a holy God. And so the healthiest way for you and I to view ourselves is that we are saved and yet we also still sin. And so we walk humbly with God. We're saved. We're a new creation. True. That's true. And I get into, you know, conversations with people. I thought we're a new creation. We don't sin. Oh, no, you're a new creation. You definitely still sin. You know, first, second, and third John, if you think you don't sin, you're deceived. That's the basic definition of deception is thinking you never sin. A lot of believers running around confused. Well, am I saved or am I a sinner? What am I? The, the fact is you're a saved sinner. You're 100% saved, 100% still a sinner. Before you were saved, you were just a sinner. Now you're a Christian who struggles to obey. And all of us till the end of our days, although we'll make real progress, it will be slow, but it will be real and we're delighted in the whole time. But we will never, until the day we go to be with him, cease sinning. There will always be days where we're like, I don't know if I like that person. That what? That's sin. We, we, we will always have that wrestle. There's only one man who fully was victorious in that wrestle. And that was Jesus Christ. I don't know how he did it, but for 33 years, everything he ever did was full obedience. Never, never once did he have a bad attitude. Never once a, a wonky thought that went too far in a certain direction as to become sin. He was tempted, just like you and I, but never sinned. Never crossed that threshold into sin once. I mean, how do you do that? Incredible. Friends, I've been in seasons where I've pressed in so hard you know, 40-day fast, Bible all day, you know, pray, 
And as much as I want to just fully cross the threshold into, I can never sin again, it never happened. You know, when you're 20 and zealous, you think, I'm going to just be so obedient. And then a couple years go by, "Ah, I can't do that. I want you to begin to develop a theology on the inside, not that you'll be perfect one day. We reach for that, and you know, we reach to be as mature and obedient as possible. That's scriptural. But we also acknowledge we're human. We're never going to be fully perfected until the day we go to be with him. And on that day, scripture says we're given a new body, a glorified body. We'll never have any aches or pains or cancer or bad days ever again. We'll never even have the desire to sin ever again. But in this age, it's our glory in that whole mess of temptation and, you know, emotion and all of that to offer our weak self to him. And that's what this man did. There's going to be a whole generation going to the house of prayer. Our kids are going to do it. Our grandkids are going to do it. There's going to be a whole cities all over the earth. We're going to have 24-hour prayer centers. It's going to continue to escalate. But the question is, what kind of person are we going to be in there? Are we going to be the ones worshiping and saying, God, I thank you. You know, I'm so cool. I fasted and prayed and I know it, you know, I mean, do all that. Be as dedicated as you want to be. But just know this, all of that dedication earns you nothing. I mean, I want to be dedicated to the Lord at the highest level. But man, if that dedication produces in me despising of other people, that's the wrong kind of dedication. That's broken. We want the kind of dedication that breaks our own heart. We want to be broken about our sin, not everybody else's sin. We want a dedication that leaves us humble, not trying to beat down other people. We want a dedication that leaves us like, God, have mercy on me or I can't make it, not judging the whole culture and everybody else that is different. Than us. We, don't, we, we want a kind of dedication that makes us like this man who's just like, Lord, I know I've been sinful. Please forgive me. God says that guy's life is validated. Man, I would love to see a move in our community, uh, a house of prayer grow and, you know, 24-hour prayer and all that with this kind of people. Because I think I would, I, would be a, I would be a suspect leader if I produced under my leadership a house of prayer that was a bunch of Pharisees, that was so proud of how dedicated we are, but we hate people and we despise people. And, well, they're not our kind of people. We fellowship with others. What? What are we? I don't know. Jesus has a, his house of prayer is a house of prayer for all nations. We want all nations in this place, all ethnicities, all socioeconomic backgrounds. Any type of person is welcome in God's house of prayer. And that's what we should have. And when I think of, you know, growing, I want, I want the whole kingdom reflected. I want to run with these kinds of people. So the question I have is, what kind of man or woman of prayer are you becoming? How would you say, am I more like the Pharisee? I'm really proud of my dedication, but I, do, I despise people. 
Or are you like the tax collector? I'm not even thinking of other people. I'm just broken. I'm, I just, Lord, touch my life. I mean, not, not, not thinking of people in the bad sense, but I'm more concerned about my sin than their sins. I'm like, how can I even think about that Pharisee over there? I'm just broken about me. One of the ways you know you're maturing is you're less and less concerned about other people's sin. You're more and more concerned with your sin. That begins to bug you more than anything else. When we're young and immature, we're, we're so consumed and bothered with, oh, the culture's off and the church is off and the pastor's off and that person, and we don't even think about our own heart. As we grow in, in godliness and humility, we see the problems right here. It's not the other person, it's here. That's the problem. And that's what the, the tax collector, he had it. And God knew he had it. And God says, that guy's going home. His, his whole life's going to be different. His, the word justified there, just think of it as it worked. Answered. Check. The Pharisee went through a bunch of charades and it looked cool. God's like, not getting an answer from me. Tax collector moved heaven. Here's the thing. This is the good news. You can be weak and broken. You can go to a prayer meeting and you can just say a weak, broken prayer and God says, boom, justified, it worked. Didn't really say it nice, didn't really do it cool, but it doesn't matter. I get it and I answered it. At the end of the day, God's not trying to raise up a prayer movement that's super eloquent and dresses nice and all of these external things. It's, it's the heart that, that really matters. That's what he, he validates the humble spirited servant heart i'm not worried about that problem i'm just like lord touch me i need you if we had a whole community like that we would see the power of god amen we as intercessors i'm just going to read a couple more things we as intercessors as people who pray we want our homes we want our ministries we want our lives we we want them to be touched by god right I mean, do you want to pray your whole life and not see an answer to prayer, not see the touch of God? Like, what are we doing this for? Of course, we want to see him move. And so there's this contrast. Which, which way do we go about it? And I, I, at the end of the day, if, we, if we're not fancy at all, but we get God, man, I want that. Why would we want to be fancy and have smoke and lights and cool and everything? But then like the Lord's like, well, I can't really move there. You guys, your hearts are off. You know what I mean? Like, oh, the last thing I want is to look awesome but not have the justification of God. So let's be the community. Let's be that community, whether it's five, ten of us, whether it's a thousand one day. I don't, you know, the Lord turns the dials whenever he wants, but let's be a humble people. You know, one of my favorite stories about David in the Old Testament, everybody knows the, the mighty men of uh, David's mighty men, but they weren't always mighty men. No one tells the story before the mighty men. It's like we look at David and we're like, look at David, he's so strong and his army's awesome. It's like, well, did you read the story before? Because when he took them in, they, it says they were all depressed, in debt, and discontented. The three D's. In debt, discontented, and depressed. And David says, that's my folks right there. Come on. And he took a few hundred of them. And then a few chapters later, the Bible starts to call them the mighty men. 
Something happened there. Sometimes it just it takes one leader to believe in somebody, and then they go from the three Ds to mighty men and women. I want to be a community where you can come in here like that, and you begin to touch God, and your weaknesses begin to give way. They begin to blossom into your strengths. That would be so cool. I put here, finally, we will not have that touch of God if we become the wrong person. No matter how much we go to the house of prayer, no matter how many prayer meetings, no matter how many days a week we fast, no matter how many tithes or double tithes or triple tithes we give, if we become the wrong person, we won't have that. Quickly here, I've got to finish. No, it's not midnight yet. I'll just keep... No. <laughs> There's sort of a misnomer. There's a misnomer. I really want to be dedicated to the Lord. And I've, I've been in the stream where I've been around people who want to be dedicated to the Lord. But there's this misnomer that if you just pray a whole lot and you fast a whole lot and you do everything extreme, it will equal God moving in your life. And the reality is, is that you can go on 40-day fasts and you can pray like crazy and read the Bible like crazy and become a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were the ones who waged all-out war on the very Son of God. In fact, they crucified him. I don't want to become a person in all of my dedication that ends up at war with the very one that I say I'm talking to. I want that man to conquer my life. I want that king to conquer my heart. And one of the ways he does that is he just says, come to me in your weakness and brokenness and just know that that's okay. You don't have to put on a performance for me. You're, you're not fooling me. You can just, you can just come and, and say I'm weak and broken. I love the prayer. I want to encourage you to go home tonight and just open that up and just pray that prayer in your own way. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful. That's one of the best biblical prayers that I've found. God, just be merciful to me. I'm sinful. I don't even, I'm not even aware where all this sin is. Be merciful to me. Now, it's not the only prayer we pray. We don't want to live in some kind of morbid sense of, you know, I'm always down my head. You know, we it, this was just one prayer. This was just one moment in a prayer room. The guy probably came back the next day singing and laughing and who knows. Point being, we do need it's at times to just come before the Lord knowing we're sinful and say, God, man, I'm, I, 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 this was wrong today. I said that. I shouldn't have looked at that. Shouldn't have. I, over there, ah, I'm just sinful. Have mercy. Please forgive me. Like if we can't do that, then there's not enough humility. We need to be able to say that to the Lord. Now, again, not every prayer, not every day, but we need to be able to do that. The more I lead, the more I run a ministry, the more I see there's all kinds of competing gospels out there 
And one of the gospels out there, you know, gospels, is this gospel where you never have to say you're sorry, never have to ask for forgiveness, never have to feel bad because you never sin. And what that does at the end of the day is it robs you from being right with God. Because we all mess up. We all need forgiveness. Well, wasn't I forgiven at the cross? Yes, you were. In the, in the uh, overarching sense, you're saved, you're going to heaven. But in the walking out day-to-day relational sense, we still mess up and we still say, Lord, I'm sorry. And he forgives us. They're both true. Well, how can you prove that? Well, I'll just say this. The same Paul that gave us the book of Romans, the same Paul that taught us that we're a new creation in Christ, behold, he is, you know, a new creation, Second Corinthians 5.17, that same Paul also said, I am the chief of sinners. I think Paul knew what he was talking about. He knew he was a new creation, and he also knew he was the chief sinner. His both. Paul knew his weakness. He knew his brokenness. He was born again, full of the Holy Ghost, but he still messed up. And if he did, we certainly do. And so again, we come humbly sometimes. Lord, I know you love me in my weakness, I failed today. You saw it. You know it. But I just acknowledge it before me and you and another brother or sister. I just acknowledge that. Help me. Okay, we're good. I'm just going to flip over to James real quick. I love James. I'm just going to throw out a beach ball and then you can just hit this into the upper deck. This is what I do as a preacher. I just lob these truths. They're like beach balls. You just lob them out there and people can hit them out of the park if they want to. Book of James will end with James. Unless he disappeared from my Bible, which does happen when you're preaching. Come on, James. Pray for this preacher. He's trying to find James. There we go. James. James chapter 5. James chapter 5, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's powerful and effective, the NIV says. Sometimes we just need to say, hey bro, I sinned. Like, here it is. It's ugly. And then the bro says, let's just pray. And the Bible says you're good at that moment. It's that simple. We don't hide it. We just say, here it is. What if I do it every day? Well, then just every few days, just tell somebody. Ultimately, what the Lord's looking for is not a technical phrase or something. He's just looking for our humility. If we can go to the house of prayer and say, Lord, I I did it again. I'm sorry. I mean it, I I want help. We can tell a brother or a sister here and there, if we can walk humble, if we can walk in a place where we're not so into ourselves and our dedication, sure, fast and pray, do all this, study the Bible, go nuts. 
but don't let it produce in you this hard-hearted kind of, you hear what I'm saying, I'm repeating myself. Let's be, let's be meek, humble men and women like Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 10, I believe it was, come to me all you who are weary. I'm gentle and lowly. I'll give you rest. Jesus described himself as a meek, gentle man. He was the highest, he was at the highest heights of dedication. No one was more dedicated than Jesus and yet nobody was more kind. No one was more compassionate. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Jesus would just look at crowds and be moved with compassion. He, would, he, would, he looked at Lazarus' tomb and just broke down weeping. I mean, we look at crowds out there and we're like, geez, they need to get their act together. And Jesus says, no, I want to go multiply some food and feed them. He just saw the world different because he was, he was so pure. And we want to be like that. We want to see things as he sees things. We want to... Anyway, I'm going on and on. We'll just land that plane right there. Amen, amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I have shared your word tonight. and Now I just pray that you'd make it real. Make it real to our hearts. We, we don't want to be Pharisees. We want to be like that tax collector, Lord. Lord, make us a people who we know we're loved. We know we're cherished, yet we're humble enough to say, Lord, be merciful to me. I'm sinful. I know I've messed up, God. Help me. And we know that as we, as we live right, as we purpose to have a good heart, we'll go our way justified. I believe tonight we're going to go from this place, your validation on our lives. Come Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.